Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Laura Brodney. And I'm Chelsea McLaughlin. Just discovered some weird things about Chelsea <laughs> and her body. <laughs> I thought that this was a safe space. I should have known better because this has never been a safe space. <laughs> no, no, it's not. But I told you something in confidence pre-record. I just have never met someone who can't whistle mm-hmm. or click their fingers mm-hmm. or roll their tongue. For me, I was like, how do you, you know, signal your attraction to someone, click your fingers in a rude way? I just yell. Just yell rather aggressively. No, I just can't do any of those things. (laughs) I don't know if it's genetic. I feel like maybe it is. I'm going to blame my parents. (laughs) I just have none of those skills. And I don't have any other skills to make up for it. So it's fun. Thoughts and prayers for Chelsea. (laughs) But coming up on the show today... We're just talking about that girl that will just not go away. But it's our fault because we keep talking about it. Leah Michelle, she's given a very interesting new interview. She's also going a little bit of viral on TikTok at the moment mm-hmm. because of an in-joke on herself. We're going to be getting into the kind of backstory of how she has pulled off this very weird rebrand and what's at the base of it. But first, the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gas? I want more headlines. Okay, so in a strange turn of events, making headlines today is an interview that did not happen? A non-interview? So earlier this week, Alex Cooper's Cooler Daddy podcast teased an interview by dropping this teaser trailer. I have to tell you, I was a huge Maroon 5 fan, and I'm glad that you agreed to sit down with me today and discuss the scandal surrounding the infidelity in your marriage. How many times did you cheat with women that you met on Instagram? People thought that was Adam Levine. And I don't think that they were out of order (laughs) to think that that was Adam Levine, the lead singer of Maroon 5, who has been laying low for a while following the September cheating scandal that he became embroiled with when a model named Sumner shared DMs that he wanted to call his newest child, who was born last month, FYI, after her. It became a big story because, one, the audacity of this man and also (laughs) because the hilarity of the DMs. I will never, ever get over that body of yours is absurd. It haunts me. Turns out it was not an interview with Adam Levine, but in fact, an interview with Adam Devine. Pitch Perfect star, modern family star and all-round funny man who is not the lead singer of Maroon 5. It feels like this is now Adam Devine's 
overarching narrative that he is not Adam Levine. Yeah, here's my thought about this interview because, you know, unsurprisingly, I have a few, (laughs) is that I kind of just maybe thought it was Adam Levine for a second. Obviously, that seems ridiculous, but you're saying the audacity of this man. I do feel like there's part of him that would think it was very cool and very on brand for him Mm. to come on this very sex-positive women's focus show and talk to Alex Cooper and, like, share his side of the story. You know, he's growing, he's changed, he's complicated. We just didn't understand him at the time. I actually feel like some part of this man's brain would be into that. Thankfully, someone has held him back. (laughs) Now maybe the baby's here. He's got new music coming out or something. He wanted to do a rebrand. I didn't think the joke landed that well. Like, it would have been so funny if she'd had that trailer as the teaser and then cut to Adam Devine Mm. just sitting there with, like, a confused look on his face. Whereas now I think it's just a big letdown that Adam Devine, who seems lovely, I'm a big fan, it seemed like a big letdown that he's on the podcast. But I feel like he did bring it upon himself because when that whole thing was happening, everyone was confusing them because their names (laughs) are so similar. And he put out probably the best Instagram caption of all time, which is like, I am Adam Devine. I'm not Adam Levine. My music is better. My wife and I are doing fine. They've been together a long time. And we will be naming our first baby Sumner. (laughs) So good. Yeah, people are mad at this. I didn't fall for it because Alex Cooper says at the top of that teaser that she's a huge Maroon 5 fan and no one is a huge Maroon 5 fan. (laughs) Red flag right there. The details were all there. We just missed it. So once upon a time, Kate Moss was known as one of the, well, I mean, she still is one of the biggest supermodels in the world. I'm not taking that away from her, but she was also known as one of the silent supermodels. Mm. We barely ever heard her speak. She was known for a few problematic catchphrases. She was one of those silent supermodels. But in the last year or so, she's been very chatty. You know, she's a spokeswoman for things. She's putting out her own line. She's going on Zoom in like beautiful makeup to defend a problematic Johnny Depp. She's doing Desert Island Discs all happening for her. So that doesn't make it that surprising that it's being confirmed that she is producing a movie about her own life, which I'm excited for, but there's a few details in the mix that I just think people should be aware of. So she is making a movie about her own life, but unfortunately for some people who might have read some headlines, it's not going to be about all of her torrid famous love affairs Mm -hmm. and her feuds with fellow supermodels, which is what I would like to see personally. (laughs) Ryan Murphy needs to get on that and make a limited series. Yes. He'd love that. Instead, it's going to center on her experience of sitting for the painter Lucian Freud throughout 2002. Now, I don't want that to take away from anything because it's not, you know what I mean? Like it sounds boring. I don't think it will be. Honestly, I. I'm kind of here for it because I have biopic fatigue because you try and take these decades long stories and condense it into what blows out to be three hours. Let's yeah, be real. exactly. But like it's too much. So I kind oh, of yeah. enjoy the idea of focusing on one particular moment. I yeah. think that's kind of what they all should be. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of going to anchor the movie in a way mm. that I think is quite clever because you can't tell Kate Moss's whole story in one movie. So instead they're picking 2002. And look, she had some turbulent things going on, so it'll still be interesting. And so the actress who has been given the role of Kate Moss, like hard shoes to fill, I oh, feel, yeah. but it's Ellie Bamber. So so she's a British actor and Emmy winner Derek Jacoby will play Freud and they've got like an Oscar nominated screenwriter on board to write it. I'm very excited because apparently Kate Moss, who has kept all her clothes, is going to have them in the film. Oh, that's incredible. So I'm happy. I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. I'm happy for a Kate Moss movie, but I also need someone to make the really gritty limited yeah. series about her life without her involved in it. Because we talked before about when celebrities tell their own stories It's interesting because you see their perspective, but you're seeing a very censored view of them. And they also are all trying to stick to movies because they still kind of live in that old Hollywood idea of movies being best and they want that Oscar, basically. But I'm like, we want a multi-series, decade by decade, 
really in-depth depictions. Oh, 100%. I want to sit down and watch Madonna's life throughout like five seasons of just like mad yeah. shit. <laughs> oh, this doesn't take away from the Madonna movie being taken from our lives, I feel. But like, if that's what she's doing, I hope Kate Moss wins an Oscar for this. Mm. I want to see her get up on stage with a cigarette falling out of her <laughs> mouth, holding a can of Diet Coke, just say something weirdly problematic but slightly <laughs> endearing. She looks amazing. Maybe she's wearing gumboots and she shuffles off stage. That's all I want from this. Okay, well- Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. Well, Leah Michelle is back in the news this week because she has done a new interview for Interview Mag titled Leah Michelle on Glee, Growth and the Hardest Fucking Role in New York. It's presented in typical Interview Mag style, so like a conversation between herself and Jeremy O'Harris, who is an incredible playwright and also plays Gregory Dupree in Emily in Paris. So the conversation begins with talking about Funny Girl on Broadway, which Leah is starring in at the moment. That's a whole story. If you've been here a while, you've heard Laura's passion about that topic. We'll get more into that soon. It's going very well for both her career and her reputation. Then Jeremy asks about the 2020 allegations against her from former Glee castmates, which included bullying and racism on set. And it's her response that has people talking, although not as much as they are talking about a joke she made on TikTok today. So she said, I think these past two years have been so important for everybody to just sit back and reflect. I did a lot of personal reach outs, but the most important thing was for everybody to just take a step back. And she later expands to say that she's had conversations behind the scenes with people that have been incredibly healing and very eye-opening for her and that she doesn't want to blame past things in her life for her actions, but they are also part of the patchwork of her life. And then she wraps up sort of talking about that by saying, During 2020, my life got turned upside down in so many ways and I didn't know where it was going to take me. Now, it seems like it has taken her to a resurgence of sorts, I think, Laura. Yeah, that's been the interesting thing about watching this whole comeback unfold. It's so interesting how many times we've had to like track the evolution of Leah Michelle's mm. career on this podcast because obviously <laughs> we covered at the time the allegations from Samantha Ware, her Glee co-star, about her behaviour and the reasons those stood out to all the people who said that she was a diva over the years is that yeah. they were so racially motivated and to see that kind of happen and then the response from people of like Leah Michelle losing all her endorsement deals and not being booked for gigs anymore and mm-hmm. and being dropped from like rumored projects where she was about to have her next big TV comeback was kind of all encompassing. And then we talked about the fact that she seemed to be the only celebrity who couldn't very easily come back from cancellation, mm. which is a word I even feel weird using because yeah. it was only a few episodes ago we were talking about Army Hammer yeah. and his cancellation for alleged violent rape. And then someone gets cancelled for, you know, wearing a weird outfit. So that totally. word's getting bandied yeah. around with too much ease, in my opinion. But talking about how she was the only one who couldn't come back from that. And then the funny girl thing just unplayed like something out of a movie. This mm-hmm. character that she played <laughs> on screen was obsessed with getting this role Beanie Feldstein was in the role she got sensationally you know trolled and the reviews were so bad that she opted out early and then when Leah Michelle was announced it was like a movie moment like it was one like that- fan fiction yeah 100% it was really bad fan <laughs> yeah. fiction except it was real life 
what's interesting about this, I think, because I'm trying to think why like we've latched onto this. And one part is that we love seeing young women, even if they're wildly problematic like she is, we love seeing them kind of dragged through the dirt over and over again, especially if there's diva behavior, you know, kind of linked to mm-hmm. it. Because then it seems a bit glam and fun and you don't have to, like, stress your brain with the racial stuff is what I'm saying people are thinking. Like, they want a scandal that seems fun, not something you actually have to think about. Something more low stakes. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Low stakes, no real life consequences. And so watching Leah Michelle have her big comeback, it's so interesting how it only could have happened through a Broadway play because it's seen as, like, such high art and so removed from the glam of Hollywood and people actually going and seeing her live on stage and because the reviews are so good. You've seen all these celebrities going in person to see her. They always post her photos with her afterwards and she reposts them. And it's this really interesting way of Hollywood be able to embrace her and not have to kind of dirty themselves with any of the allegations, not just on her, but how their industry works in general and how problematic it is because they can say, look, it's art, it's theatre. I was, you know, so moved by her performance, which maybe they were, Mm. but it's really given her this kind of launching pad to completely change her career. The only interesting thing is that every single time she does any sort of interview, and she's done so many around this role, and she's been, you know, doing so many late night TV interviews, and they released a cast recording, so she's had to be really in the public eye, is that she always has to come back to these bullying claims. And I feel this is the first time that she's almost completely distanced herself from them. Yeah, the idea of, you know, we all had to reflect is kind of an interesting positioning. Yeah, and of, we this all is needed to take problem. a step back. Like, I just don't think Samantha Ware did have to take a step back. Exactly. And it I think Reads yeah. is sort of deflecting in a way of like, yeah, it was a shit situation for everybody. Yeah. Not just because of me. I think it's really interesting to position, you know, Broadway and this show as sort of high art in a way. And I think that is definitely working in her favor in terms of reputation but it's also interesting because she's kind of gone the opposite way as well with really really leaning into this long-standing joke that she can't read so right now today she's going viral because she posted a tiktok where she was reacting to the news that barbara streisand is releasing a memoir my name is barbara in november and the tiktok is essentially her just like in a green screen being like i've got 200 and however many days to learn how to read And I know we've spoken before about how it's kind of funny when celebrities are in on the joke. I think the reason that she is so heavily in on the joke, because she's making a TikTok about this reading situation, you know, once a week or whatever, because it's endearing and it's really low stakes and it's appealing her and making her look like she's got a sense of humor, which is so, so opposite to how she had become known as this diva with a really bad attitude and racism claims. I feel like almost she's got a PR team around her now that are so carefully cultivating even the way she interacts with fans after the show and how she always looks into the camera and is so, like, lovely. Like, it's almost too much. Yeah. But I think, because remember she did that New York Times interview when she first took over the role of Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl and they brought up the you can't read claims (laughs) and everyone expected her to make a joke, but she's like, you know, I think it's a feminist issue like you never say this about a man and it was so the wrong way to go because people were already not warm to her and it felt like she was trying to just take a personal joke about her and blow it out to a feminism issue I'm like just don't bring feminism into this (laughs) it's time to place that it's not here and so that didn't land very well and now I think she's going off this very carefully curated PR script because in this interview she says all these things that just I don't know it definitely sounds like someone has 
told her to say this or she's practiced it in the mirror or her best friend Jonathan Groff has come in or something, you know, someone's put these words around her mouth or she spent time coming up with them. I don't know. Something's happened because she talks so much about taking her role as a leader off stage and making it as important as her role on stage. Like it just very much PR spin. And also something that she's been able to really easily sidestep, I think, because of this whole new, you know, she's a theater star. I mean, she she always was. That's where I first fell in love with her voice, which I feel ick about now. (laughs) But I thought it was also interesting at the same time she's been starring in Funny Girl is that that very controversial Glee documentary, The Price of Glee, came out, Mm -hmm. which a lot of her castmates, even ones that have spoken out against her, have been really against the documentary because it wasn't with anyone who was involved in Glee or super involved in it. Mm -hmm. I was listening to the Lady Gang podcast the other day and Becca Tobin, who played Kitty on the show, is a host of that now. And she put up a joke. She hadn't talked about it, but she put up a joke on her Instagram saying like, you know, you're shit people for making this documentary but thanks for making the glee royalties go up because now everyone's going back and watching glee so they're all all the cast are making a lot more money so Mm -hmm. i guess that's good for them but she's like i don't even know who these people are they're just randoms who were kind of half involved and they're saying really terrible things about me and leah michelle but one person who did put their name to it is naya rivera's father so obviously naya played santana on glee she and leah michelle infamously had a feud on screen and off screen and she very tragically passed away a few years ago. And so her father was on the documentary and he talked a lot about Leah and saying like there was always a fight between them. Everybody knew that. They hated each other. But Naya wasn't the only one who had a problem with her. Everyone had. And so that kind of blew up. But it blew up in this really small space on social media and didn't really take off anywhere even though it was from a source that people would know, you know, because it's the father of a cast member. Mm. But I think it went to show how strong the Leah Michelle rebrand has been through Funny Girl, that something like that came out. People reported on it, but it didn't become the big kind of explosive story that it would have a few years ago. Completely. And people are still now just going to her TikTok and making jokes in the comments with emojis because she can't read, apparently. It is wild. I honestly didn't really think it was going to play out like this. I really thought that it was going to be one of those final cancellations in the way that we so rarely see. Exactly. And it's an incredible feat of public relations at the end of the day, because now she is in this interview talking about how important she finds leadership behind the scenes and how she feels the pressure of, you know, making the show great because it employs so many people and just how serious she takes that role. It's a real 180. And on a final note, I just want to say, I'm not saying we should torture this woman and like publicly, you know, abuse her for years on end. I don't know what the solution is. All I'm saying is it's interesting how the rebrand of her career happened through the theatre and through this role. That's all I'm saying. So we'll link the full interview piece in the show notes if you'd like to read it. Well, thank you for listening to The Spill today. This episode of The Spill was produced by Laura Brodnick and Jam Wallen with assistant production from Cassie Merritt. Our audio production is by Rhiannon Mooney. We'll see you at mamamia.com.au and on the Spill Instagram page. Bye. Bye.